News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Taxi drivers say they're looking for a $6 increase in flagfall. The High Court rejects a request for a coroner's inquest into the 2012 Lama ferry disaster. And health officials again urge the public to get fully vaccinated as COVID cases rise again. Taxi fares may be, going, may be following bus and ferry fares in going up sharply soon. A cabbie representative says the trade may seek a $6 increase in flagfall. Mag- Maggie Ho reports. The president of the Taxi Dealers and Owners Association says fuel cost has soared in the past year due to inflation and a conflict between Russia and Ukraine, among other factors. Nguyen Singh also told a radio program that the government subsidy for fuel cost will end next month and insurance policies are getting more expensive. Mr Ng says the sector is planning to apply for a fare increase soon. He says it took the government five years to approve the last application for a fare hike, and the approved increase was half of what the trade had asked for. It usually takes a long time. It could take two to three years. We hope this time round it can be faster and can be approved in about a year. Usually it's not a fast process. There's a time lag. Mr Ng pointed out that after the trade makes a fair hike application, the government has to collect further data, refer the proposal to the Transport Advisory Board and submit it to the Executive Council. The last fare increase for cabs took effect in July. Right now, the flag fall charge for red urban taxis is $27. It's $23.50 for green New Territories cabs and $22 for blue Lantau taxis. Some members of LegCo's transport panel have urged the government to relax restrictions on bus firms, allowing them to bring in other sources of commercial revenue in the face of pressure to raise fares as inflation rises. One of the suggestions came from lawmaker Frankie Yick, who heads the panel and represents the sector. He said bus operators could be allowed to rent out space at public interchanges to tuck shops and use their depots for commercial purposes. The High Court has turned down a request by bereaved families of some of the victims of the Lama ferry crash 10 years ago for a coroner's inquest to be held. Maggie Ho again. On the night of October 1st, 2012, two vessels collided head-on and one of them sank within two minutes, resulting in 39 deaths. In a written ruling, Mr Justice Russell Coleman noted that the coxswains of the vessels had been sentenced and an independent inquiry led by a judge had been held into what caused the tragedy. He said it was understandable that family members would want to trace every detail of how their loved ones died, but that the public interest does not require the unraveling of every possible factual details through an inquest. Speaking after the ruling, one of the applicants, Chiu Ping Chun, said he was very disappointed. He said the families would discuss with their lawyers what to do next. The government has warned that local and imported COVID infections have been rising as social distancing measures are relaxed, more travellers enter Hong Kong and immunity wanes. New COVID cases jumped by over 1,000 today to 9,219. 719 of them were imported. The Undersecretary for Health, Libby Lee, reiterated calls for the public to get fully vaccinated, saying the BioNTech bivalent booster shot should be available in Hong Kong by early next month. If the situation turned very, very bad, like, you know, the whole medical system is collapsed, patient um, with COVID or no COVID, they cannot access any medical services. At that juncture, of course, we will need to further 
we need to tighten the social distancing measures. Yet, this is the last things we would like to do. So that's why we would like to withhold the re uh, relaxation at the current moment, status quo, and then we will observe the situation to see what the trend of the infection. RTHK has won two prizes at the Consumer Rights Reporting Awards for features on orthodontics and nanoflats in Hong Kong. The Public Affairs Unit won gold in audio reporting for its piece on the risks of conducting online orthodontic checkups through mobile phone apps. Meanwhile, the Chinese newsroom won silver in audio reporting for its story on nanoflats smaller than 260 square feet. The report prompted the Development Bureau to change its land sale conditions by requiring a minimum size of 280 square feet per flat. The weather forecast mainly cloudy with one or two rain patches, temperatures in the region of 22 to 25 degrees with moderate east to northeasterly winds fresh at first. Currently 21 degrees Celsius, humidity 95%. You're listening to RTHK, the time's exactly five minutes past 11. Hong Kong Rugby Union head Robbie McRobbie says athletes won't feel any pressure over what he described as reasonable new rules on how to react if the national anthem is played incorrectly at sports matches. He was speaking about new guidelines requiring competitors to leave venues if mistakes are not promptly corrected. Aaron Tam reports. Speaking after a meeting about the new rules, Mr McRobbie said the rugby union finds the guidelines practical and reasonable and said they would be enforced this weekend when the Sevens team competes in Dubai. He added that athletes understand the importance of respecting the anthem. The athletes are understandably upset by what's happened, but they are determined to go out there this weekend and to show that Hong Kong athletes, that the Hong Kong rugby team you know, is fully supportive of, of our city, is fully respectful of the national anthem, and they hope that they can demonstrate this by winning on the pitch this weekend and bringing home the gold medal for Hong Kong. The guidelines were issued after a blunder earlier this month when organisers played a song linked to violent protests in Hong Kong in 2019 in place of the national anthem at an Asia rugby tournament in South Korea. Earlier, the president of Asia Rugby, Kais Abdullah Al-Dalai, said the government has accepted there was no malicious intent in the playing of a song associated with the 2019 protests instead of the national anthem, ahead of a final between Hong Kong and South Korea at its event in Incheon earlier this month. He says Asia Rugby has been very transparent and open in dealing with the incident and has set up a centralised archive of team anthems to ensure it doesn't happen again. Senior officials had been disbelieving of the organisation's initial explanation of the blunder. Mike Weeks asked Mr Aldalai what he said to Chief Secretary Eric Chan to change his mind. I told him that three weeks or a month ago at the first leg of the Asia Rugby 7 Series held in Bangkok and Thailand, Hong Kong and China, both of them, men and women, played in the final game. There was no problem at all. And that's evident that there is no malicious uh, behavior or there is no bad intention or there is no politically driven behavior behind this uh, incident that happened in, in South Korea and in Incheon and the second leg. So I explained to him this was a human error from the local organizing committee and, and that uh, junior local organizers from South Korea played the wrong national anthem, downloaded from the internet, so without going into much detail, this is exactly what happened. 
uh, there, there was at some point of time there was a miscommunication between Asia Rugby and the local organizers, which has resulted in, in creating the wrong national anthem. This is a purely human error, and human error can occur at any point of time. But as I assured the chief secretary, we have taken a pre, an additional precaution measures for the coming event. Okay, and the Hong Kong government is happy with the precautions that you've put in, in place, especially the centralized archive. Yeah, exactly. We have discussed about this. Each team manager is obliged to submit the national anthem of his country and sign off that this is the right national anthem. And the control room in every event will be playing anthems from that centralized archive folder. The number of new COVID cases on the mainland has hit a record since the start of the pandemic nearly three years ago. Meanwhile, a partial lockdown has been ordered for the city of Zhengzhou, which is home to a huge iPhone factory. Wendy Wong has more. According to the National Health Commission, the number of new local coronavirus cases, excluding imported ones, rose to 31,444 on Wednesday, up from 28,883 the day before. More than 27,000 of the latest infections were asymptomatic. The previous record for daily cases was set on April the 13th at 29,317. Infections in Beijing continued to grow. It reported 1,648 new locally transmitted cases, compared with 1,486 a day earlier. And the capital has reported one more death, pushing fatalities on the mainland up to 5,232. Elsewhere, Guangzhou saw new infections subside further, but cases in the mainland's largest municipality, Chongqing, surpassed 7,800, up from some 6,900 on Tuesday. And the central city of Zhengzhou, which is home to a massive iPhone factory, is reported to have ordered an effective lockdown for several districts. The local government is said to have told residents of the city centre that they can't leave the area unless they have a negative COVID test and permission from local authorities and are advised not to leave their homes unless necessary. Apple, meanwhile, says it now has team members on the ground at the Foxconn plant to make sure employee concerns are addressed. It's been rocked by protests over pay and other issues. Foxconn, for its part, acknowledged a technical error when hiring new recruits at a factory and apologised to workers. The largest protests have now reportedly died down. The Malaysian opposition leader Anwar Ibrahim has been sworn in as the country's new prime minister, ending a five-day political impasse caused by last week's general election leading to a hung parliament. The 75-year-old reformist has gone through decades of strife to finally attain his political goals, including years in jail on politically motivated sodomy charges. Here is Mr Anwar taking his oath of office, solemnly swearing to fulfil his duties. Wallahi wa billahi wa tallahi Saya Anwar bin Ibrahim Setelah dilantik memegang jawatan seorang Perdana Menteri Dengan sesungguhnya bersumpah Bahawa saya akan dengan jujur Menunaikan kewajipan-kewajipan jawatan itu Earlier, Anna-Marie Evans spoke to Andrew Ong, the editor of the online news portal Malaysia Kini. She began by asking him if he was surprised that Anwar Ibrahim had finally become Prime Minister. Yes, of course, because uh, based on the people involved, uh, it would seem impossible to build a consensus in such a short time. 
Uh, however, our king has done the impossible and convinced the smaller coalitions to take part in a unity government. And uh, what are the key issues now? Budget and stability? Firstly, Anwar's immediate priority is to form a unity cabinet, which is a very tricky exercise given the dynamics of his own coalition and that of his new partners, Barisan National and Gabungan Party Sarawak. So failure to appease his new partners might make the unity government very short-lived. And secondly, um, Anwar has a supply bill to pass before the end of this year. So that is when we will see just how much support that Anwar truly has enjoys in Parliament. So how long do you think this government could last then? You know, we, will have to, we will know. We will know in a couple of weeks. The BBC has found that some Afghans are selling their daughters and sedating their hungry children as the country faces a deepening humanitarian crisis. Afghanistan's economy has collapsed since the Taliban took over in August last year. This report from the BBC's Yogita Lemayi. In the west of the country near Herat, the BBC has found several instances of families forced to sell young daughters into early marriages, the money used to buy food and medicines. Others say they are now giving their children tranquilizers and antidepressants so that they stop crying from hunger and go to sleep. Five tablets can be bought at the price of one piece of bread. Doctors say that when given to young children who do not get adequate nutrition, the drugs can cause liver damage and a host of other disorders. The oldest member of the South Korean boy band, BTS, is to begin his military training next month at a frontline unit. Jin has sent a message to his fans asking them not to come to the training centre to see him. From Seoul, the BBC's Jean McKenzie reports. As South Korea is still technically at war with the North, all able-bodied men here are required to serve in the military. There had been speculation over whether the country's most famous and loved celebrities would be given an exemption. But last month, the band members announced they were all planning to enrol. Defence sources have reportedly told local media that Jin is due to begin his training at a boot camp near the North Korean border next month before being assigned to a frontline unit. Police in India have blamed rats for destroying 200 kilos of cannabis seized from dealers and kept in police stations. When a court asked the police to produce the drugs as evidence, they said it had either been destroyed or eaten up by the rats. The judge said in future the confiscated drugs should be sold to research labs and medicine firms, with the proceeds going to the government. To sports and in the two World Cup matches played so far this evening, Switzerland have beaten Cameroon by a goal to nil and the game between South Korea and Uruguay has just ended goalless. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Taxi drivers say they're looking for a $6 increase in flagfall and the High Court rejects a request for a coroner's inquest into the 2012 Lama Ferry disaster. The news from RTHK. Radio Free Heavenly shades of night are falling It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple colored curtains mark the end of day I'll hear you, my dear, at twilight time and a very good Thursday evening to you. Thanks for sticking around and thanks for tuning in to Twilight Time, Mondays to Fridays, 11.15 to midnight, 45 minutes 
for music just to chill back and relax to. And if you'd like to choose a song, please, by all means, send an email to Radio Pete at Gmail. With the first one for you for tonight is a song from Frank Sinatra. A love so true It never would die You gave your lips Gave them so willingly How could I know Your kiss meant goodbye Now I'm alone With only a memory My empty arms Will never know Desire 